and be founder of the British Blacklist. Today, I'm here with a wonderful woman. And this is what I do every time. I don't know if you've listened to our other podcasts. I always let the person I'm speaking to introduce themselves because I might describe them as something they might not want to be described as, or I might forget something. And so I say, okay, guys, you introduce yourself. So please introduce yourself. Hi guys, I'm Aisha Scott and I'm a filmmaker and a business entrepreneur. Ooh, business entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a mother. And oh, yeah. oh yeah, and I'm a mother to two children who um, are doing amazing things. So I've got that as an additional mummager, so they like to call it. I feel like we can both revel in the fact we've got amazing kids because I love my child. My child is amazing. And I also think you're doing an amazing job with your kids. And it's mad because it's like, I don't know if you feel like this, being a black mum as well. It's like you've got something to prove to make sure your kids aren't a statistic or whatever. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially with Isaiah being a boy, it's like I'm constantly trying to make sure that he's focused on something and he's not getting idle because you know how young boys can get. Yeah. And it is hard to get little young boys to commit to things. Well, not even just young boys. I think it's harder to get boys to commit to things than girls. Because it's like Tiana, she's like, oh, I'm into music. And that's what she's done since she was like three years old. So she's always been on that to where Isaiah would be like, football one minute and he's not interested in the football. And then he's on the piano and then he's like, oh, man, this is boring. And it's constantly keeping them entertained, really, and just, yeah, making sure they're not a statistic and giving them more than what we had and making sure they know that there's those opportunities available to them that we didn't have. Do you get what I mean? Like, they're doing, they're able to do so much more than us. And what do they both do? Tiana is a singer-songwriter, and she's got two singles out, and she's going to be releasing her third single in June. Yeah, this one's going to be a big one. And then Isaiah's a model and an actor. So he's just completed filming on a big um, sci-fi Apple TV series. It's been postponed and everything. So it took literally two years. It was meant to be a year, but because obviously the pandemic, that just took a lot longer. So that's coming out in the end of this year. They haven't got a release date yet. Seeing your children as an extension of yourself and especially because you also work in the industry or have aspirations to get into the industry how do you juggle it all oh god it can be so difficult sometimes so for example this year is started off really on not a good foot because I've got the vid so yeah and I was ill like I wasn't like ill ill in the sense of like coughing it was more like just lethargic and I had this brain fuzz thing where I couldn't like focus on work and you know like juggling all these different things I couldn't do anything then I was flown out to Spain so I was in Spain for six weeks filming the TV series and then I've just got back and my son's at his dad so I'm just trying to prep and plan all my stuff for the year but then T's got a video coming up that I'm helping her with the production of so that's like next week. <laughs> so you just have to kind of like, what's happening now? That's the focus. Isaiah's got something, then it's everybody's focused on that. If I got something, then it's I'm focusing on that. And then Tiana kind of thinks, it's just sort of juggling it, everything. And obviously trying to still find time to, <laughs> to live. 
that's the thing i tried to get my daughter into the industry she's not really biting she likes it but she doesn't she's a student nurse so it's a little bit easier to separate but also she's but also in in my um aspiration to do whatever i do i've had yeah. a handbag i've always kept her around like if I'm on set or something like that, if I can, she's with me. Do you have a great support network where you can? Because you know, filming and stuff, long hours. With Tiana, she, I used to do acting back in yeah. the day. I don't you know, I went to the Anna Chef yeah. Theatre School and I did loads of theatre productions and stuff. So Tiana was always with me because I had her when I was 21. So she's seen the grind from the bottom up. When I was 22, I set up a um, music entertainment company and I used to do a lot of music stuff back in the day, like open mic nights. And I had like an online magazine called Ethos where we used to go around and interview all the up and coming grime and sort of that sort of artist back in the day. So Keisha White, Sway, Estelle, like we had all interviews with those sort of people and that. And it was like an online platform for them, a visual platform. So I did that for years and she was just there. So she saw everything and she used to go to stage school, play the piano. So she was always a part of that. And then when Isaiah was born, I was in an online web series called Breach as a lead character. And they wanted me back straight away on set. So he was in his car seat on set from like three months old, breastfeeding, everything. So yeah, they've just always been in it. And luckily they are both interested in it, but they do have other interests, so to speak. Like Tiana's getting involved in doing youth work in music, like teaching music in schools and Isaiah's interested in anime drawing and stuff. It's still sort of the industry, but it's not like acting. They've still got their own other passions and that as well on the side. Do you know what, as you're saying that, I remember Breach, and I swear, because I think Yona Doom was in it, but um, that's Melvin Adun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still on YouTube. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. I was just literally Google. I was like, <laughs> it was the height of like web series. Like UK had the boom of web series. And you obviously Brothers of No Game being one of the leading ones. And I know oh, that. Yeah. And Dear Jesus and stuff like that. Where, what area are you from? I'm from South London. Yeah. And I swear we're the same generation. I'm not sure. I don't want to put your aid out in the streets. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm 40. Oh, I'm older than you, you witch. I'm older than you. I'm next week. Oh, happy birthday in advance. You're still a baby to me. But, um, it's interesting because when I think about where I am and the places I've been, considering I grew up in Collier's Wood, to Junction area, I watched the media. I never, ever had dreams of being an actress or anything like that. And yeah. I, I think I wanted to be an English teacher, mostly. Where did your inspiration come from? And did you ever feel like, yeah, I can do this, but I've, sometimes I, maybe I'm being a bit stereotypical, but sometimes I think like us growing up in the, not necessarily the hood or just growing up in an environment that it doesn't seem normal to be an actor or an actress. Where did that come from for you to think, yeah, I can do this? So I just always wanted to be an actress ever since I was young, but I, I never had the confidence. So from sort of like 11 to 16, like secondary ages, I was really, really shy. People used to talk to me and I would just go red. Like I just had this shyness about me. So when I left school, I just went straight into administration and I just literally didn't even think about any sort of performing arts classes or anything like that. And we had obviously like our sort of parents from that generation. It was like maths, English and Go do your books. Like, if you said you wanted to do anything creative, that was like a no-no. So I never ever thought about it. 
seriously it was just n- nothing I ever thought like oh I'm gonna go into acting so I didn't even actually get into acting until I was about 20 25 so I was quite old and how I got into acting was I did a confidence building course because when I was doing my business and we was interviewing a lot of celebrities and stuff and I was just wanted to get over that nerves you know like when you're really nervous <laughs> you got to do yeah. something and then I did an acting for confidence class and the teacher was like you're actually really good at this and then from there I was just like right if you don't do it now then you're never going to do it so it was just a kind of thing that happened but I was always writing I was always creative anyway like even when I was doing like business administration at college I did a modern apprenticeship and stuff like that I had like a poetry book on the side and it was just always a part of my life so it wasn't something I'd ever thought about like oh I I really want to be an actress it was kind of something that I just feel like it was my path and even now I don't act anymore I'm more like writer director producer because I got tired of the roles because imagine like 10 years ago even more like 15 years ago when I started out in acting there wasn't all these big roles and these opportunities that a lot of black actors have got now they didn't exist you was like the janitor and the typical (laughs) stereotypes of roles that's all you was getting and so what was the last straw for you when you got that like now I'm not doing this anymore what was the first thing you decided to do what when I said I wasn't going to do acting anymore basically I had my son in 2011 and that's when I told you I was on finishing off the breach project and me and his dad our relationship broke down and I became like a single mum with like two kids my daughter's dad he was there around and everything but having like a baby and being a single mum it just became too much and I started to just look at my life and my circumstances and I was like how am I going to juggle all this so then I looked at a um, uni course and initially it was going to be in housing and I signed up for the course everything yeah I've signed up for it because I always just had that thing where I don't know about that whole yeah. creative industry do you get I mean I don't know if that's because that was embedded from get a safe job and do yeah. this and do that so went into the housing degree it was a housing course sat there and the woman just started talking I just said to myself I cannot do this you know when your instincts just said I cannot yeah. do this so I walked off the course I didn't know what I was going to do and I thought all right I'm just going to get the perspective and just look at something I'd really enjoy doing and as I was always doing like the poetry because I used to do open mics and recite poetry and all of that I thought you know what let me get into writing so I did a creative writing course three weeks later I started because I had to show her all like the things I'd been doing because I'd always been doing stuff on the side anyway then I started to realize that I had a little talent for the script writing because I was getting first in all my script writing modules and I just kind of never really went back to the acting. I just love the process of filmmaking so much that I've never stopped doing it. I've never reflected and thought like, why don't you go back into it? I've always said I probably will act again at some point, maybe in one of my own projects. But right now, I just love the process of writing, producing and directing and just the whole post-production and the editing. I'm just in love with that process. And I've been doing that for like five years now. So what was your first project that you got behind the scenes on? So the first project was Residential, a film that had a quite strong message, really. It was the impact of street life. It was a sort of street life type film, but it had an important message in there. That was my first project. So it was a guy that I knew for a very, very long time, and he was writing it while I was at uni. 
And then when I finished uni, he was like, oh, do you want to get involved for the project? And I just got involved as a writer at first, just helping him write it. And then we was just like, all right, let's just make this. So we made it like a feature film with no money and literally didn't even have a clue of what we was doing and just got it done. We had to get like Chris Goldfinger's nightclub for a scene with people, like a proper dance, you know, with people there and go in with the cameras <laughs> and pick up shots of the actor just walking around the club. It was mad. It was proper, proper guerrilla style. So yeah, that was the first thing that I actually done in terms of film production. Yeah, but cool. also on the side of that, I had written a site specific theater production with friend of a friend. So that got screen like shown around Blackfriars. So I got that as well straight as soon as I left uni. And then you remember published my little um nappy head girl. Yeah. So that was like my first sort of start of getting into the indie industry, getting that look published. Those are the things that give you the confidence, isn't it? To think, okay, it's getting out there and stuff like that. I definitely think that if you don't go the conventional route, just getting up and doing it yourself, because it's so rough and ready and guerrilla style, as you said, you just make all the mistakes and you do all the things right and it all comes together. And each time you um, get more budget and more support, you start to know, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I know I can do this on a minimal budget. So now with a bit of support, I can do it go even better. And I think you've, you've, when you've experienced the worst case scenario, you can only build upon that. From your first project to what you're working on now, which we'll talk about, what are some of the things that you've kept with you and some of the things that you're like, oh my God, I mean, that was such a mistake. What kind of things have you learned on the journey? I think you have to keep that professionalism at all times. And just following the industry and how it's done. So how it's done in Hollywood, like you're always aspiring for that sort of professionalism, that sort of quality, that sort of production. There's a formula in the industry and it's just following that, even in terms of the way you write your script. People think you can just write scripts, but there's a formula to writing scripts. There's a structure. So it's just make sure you get your stories tighter making sure that you're getting your productions tighter using better cameras. So it's always just aspiring to be better. Like when you're starting out, everything's guerrilla. Like there's no planning, like there's no thought process right behind a lot of the stuff and you're making films. But to get further in your craig, it's all about quality in it and getting it out to the masses. So it's always, you've always got to be growing and getting out that top high-end production. <laughs> That's my next goal. <laughs> It's good that you notice that because I feel like some people, if you do learn the gorilla style way, there's people like you who be like, yeah, I'm going to now go back, look at the steps and I want to know how you did that. Like, where did you look? But there's others that are like, well, this is how I've done it. It's been successful. So I'm not going to change my way. So then there's like a lesser quality to their production because they're not open to learning. So sometimes you see a bad film or a bad TV show or something, especially on a low budget, you're just like, why would you make those decisions? And when you've got yeah. no budget and you've got no time and all that stuff, we can understand, but it can't keep being like that when you've got more and more money, but yet the product still looks like your first project. How are you so objective and understanding, okay, so I've done this, love it, well done me, but I need to get to this level. How do you do that? And Well, firstly, I'm very critical. I'm like a perfectionist, so I'm very critical of all my work like it takes me ages to get my projects complete because I know it's obviously on a budget but I'm still want it to look its best and get it to the, the best quality that I possibly can and 
I think as you go through your career, because um, people feel like you just get to that big level of being like this massive director, but it actually takes a long time. Like even if you look at big directors, like they're in like quite old. Do you get what I mean? Like they're not, you know, it's very rare that you get like young, like booming bloody well directors. It takes time. And I think just looking at your work with a critical eye, looking at your team, like looking at things like, the team structure, could you have done that different, the people that you had on your team? Where did you spend your money? Like, everything's a budget. Like, all my films I've independently financed. So I always have to look back and think, could I have just got that bigger DOP instead of cutting back on certain things like your cinematographer, your sound? Like, you can't cut back on these things. And I've learned it the hard way, like even editors, someone saying they can edit your big film for like 200 pounds and you're not getting the product for all two years later. <laughs> like, yeah. It's long. So it's like looking at where you went wrong, what type of people I working with, where was I cutting back where I shouldn't have been and just always having the vision for having better production. So when I look at my stuff now, I know what I've learned and what I can produce for my next film. And it will, it will definitely be at another level. Like, I haven't actually made a film in two years now because of like some of the mistakes and the errors of not having the right team and trying to do... And I think that as well, like when you're starting out and you're doing everything kind on of a budget, you're wearing so many hats and you have to get to a point when you say, do you know what? I need to let go. Even with my next project, the feature film, I don't want to be producing as much. I want to more just focus on the directing because I get really attached to my work as well. So it's like I want to produce it, I want to write it. So you have to kind of let go and say like what you were saying before, like what am I good at or what is the next step for me that I want to focus on? And it can't be everything. Making a film is a collaboration. So it's just getting that strong team structure around you. I've just come off a massive set. And I see how it works because they've got somebody for everything, every single thing, someone to put in a plug. They've got someone to do that. But it's like when I was working on Dismiss, I was doing everything. I was producing, I was doing the script, every single thing I was doing. And it's like once you call rap, you're so burnt out and you can't do another film straight away because you've blown everything. Do you get what I mean? Like you're exhausted from the creativity of doing so many jobs. So I think definitely like looking at your team structure and your finances and just maybe even waiting as well. Like now I'm gonna definitely try and get a bit more budget behind me to do my um, next feature film. I'm loving what you're saying because I, 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 I wish more people would listen to what you're saying and or hear this for themselves. And it is about spreading it out. As an entrepreneur, same like with what I do, when I'm doing everything, when we did a rebrand and I think in 2014, moving the articles from the old site to the new site, I was like the typos, the errors, <laughs> And I never saw them in the moment because I remember I'd be editing, I'd be writing, I'd be doing this, I'd be doing that. And, and not to say I've, I'm still like that now, but not as much. But in the beginning, I was like, and I said, no wonder this article is full of typos. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I remember I was burning the midnight oil and I had a day job and I'm raising my daughter and I'm doing every single role. You just can't. And the quality of yeah. your life is when you try and do too much. 
So I think it's what you said is just perfect. You've done amazing, by the way, though. I've watched um, the British Blacklist grow and grow and grow and grow. So it all pays off. And that's what you have to realise as well, that it all does pay off. Because even like with Dismissed, that probably was one of the hardest films that I made. Let's, let me ask you about that. Tell us about Dismissed. <laughs> oh, OK, so Dismissed is a um, short anti-bullying short film. It touches on just the impacts and the things that are overlooked in the classroom surrounding um, young bully victims, really, sort of mental health, self-harm, and just even the pressure, the academic pressure, like young kids are going through certain things in school that teachers ain't taking seriously and then putting that pressure on them for their studies and just even taking away the stereotype of the type of um, children that can be targeted as bullies as well. Where were you when you came up with this and why this particular narrative? So I wrote Dismissed over five years ago and it was a project that I wrote because I wanted to get into the Met School and <laughs> you had to write a five minute script. So I was just watching, like looking, searching the internet, looking for inspiration. And I came across this young girl at the time who had um, committed suicide, it's just from the local area. So I was really intrigued and I kind of like went on her Facebook and. I was just like looking for her Facebook and she'd been writing certain really quite um, alarming, sort of a cry for help messages. That It was just dismissed. So, you know, like all the other posts had been engaged and it just really made me think about it even like how much even mental health and just how young people are pushed to that brink of suicide because they're not seen. That was how it all came about. And then years down the line, I started to um, have conversations with parents about their children being bullied at school and having to be homeschooled. And this was like children in the industry. So it made me realize that people think it's one type of child that can be targeted as a bully, but it can be anyone in school and it really does have an impact on young people so that's how that project came about and yeah it was a really hard project to put together <laughs> it was another one of those like well I'm just gonna do this and I wore every single hat under the sun like even edited it and it took two years to come out because yeah long story <laughs> but it took so long to come out but it's on 500k now on on YouTube well, this is the thing, and I think it is something about the patience of it all. There is that misinterpretation of what it takes to make a film and make a project, or, or even if it's a short film, it's not easy. And I think you can lose faith when something takes like years. How do you keep up morale and perseverance? You just got to keep pushing at it and you can just never, ever give up. Like I almost gave up on Dismiss and left it on the editing floor. Like having that critical eye and just obviously I wanted it to be better than my last project. It still hurts. So it was just that pressure. And then I had to step back. Like I'd be showing it to my friends. They'd be like, they really loved it. But I just was always like, oh, no, nah, this is wrong. That's wrong. And this. You have to kind of just let it go. You have to say, do you know what? This is not going to be the last film that I made. This is the stage I'm at now, but obviously I want to get to the next level that just release it into the universe. Like you've put a lot of time into it. It's been a long process and short films and feature films, I don't feel like there's any difference. The process is the same. Maybe with features, you obviously have a bit more money. So the team's a bit bigger, yeah. but Feature films and short films, short films can take just as long as a feature. But that's what I think people assume that making a feature 
it's going to be hard and making a short oh, i could do that in half an hour no trust me it's a lot it's a lot especially when you're financing it yourself as well because there's no i don't know where people come up with the whole concept like there's no it's, it's a no budget because no budget is a budget yeah. you are spending your money all my short films cost at least between three and five thousand and that was with everything the marketing and post-production buying music and just it costs money yeah. it costs a lot of money to get them done that's why you can't spit them out like that or people would spit them out every month so dismissed is available to watch on youtube and it is doing well and it is a good film so thank you in doing it, what's been the biggest satisfactory moment or validation of like, yeah, I can keep doing this and I'm now I'm ready to do my feature? I think just hearing from the young people, like the comments on the, the video and just engaging with them and just seeing that how important the subject matter really is. Like I've read some of those comments and actually really wanted to cry because sometimes you do things and you don't even realise that it's bigger than you. Just the impact that the films had on it, because I made a conscious decision to have the teacher like being really nice and making sure at the end the young people know that someone cares about you. And I feel like it really did resonate with the young people to give them that little glimmer of hope. It was moving just to see like all the comments. Like, I tried to read them all and some of them are really, really sad when you see what young people are going through. I'm actually working on a project with the lady who done the PR for the film and we're working on creating a toolkit for schools to have bullying in the academic system. So something that is taught to young people the minute they start school and just learn about the impacts that it can have on someone's life, especially when they start getting older and they've still got that trauma of just not being accepted. Primary and secondary, that's where you shape who you are, isn't it? It shapes who you are in your friendship groups and things like that. And if you're just like pushed out and just treated in a certain way, that can live with you for a very long time. Cause you have from people that got bullied when I was younger that are now adults with their own kids. And they say they still feel the pain of what they had to go through in school and stuff like that. When you become a parent, your kids are the mirrors to you. So I remember I was quite timid. I was feisty, I was rude for sure. <laughs> But I was highly insecure and I there was a moment where maybe in my friendship group I wasn't as vocal about my opinions because yeah. I'd been through when I was younger so I repressed a lot and I remember having my daughter and be like no my daughter can't see me being that person like and up for herself so I changed because my daughter was my mirror to me and there's so many things I, I, I think it's in you do as an adult you carry so much trauma from school like, mm. all the negative things in school I remember them still it stays with you it stays so okay can you talk about your new feature can you say anything about what's happening with this new feature yeah so um it's not really new to be fair you know about this feature so it's absent and it is my baby yes and this year literally marks the 10th year when I, I went through that experience because absence is a feature film that's based on my real life event and it was when my um, son's father had abandoned him when he was a baby. So he's, he's a great dad now. So you've got to give them due where it's due. But this was a, uh, an experience that I went through. And I feel like it's a story that needs to be told because it hasn't stopped at my story. And I do feel like there's a generational element of it that needs to be broken. So 
absent is a speech from drama that highlights just the impact of absent parenting in many ways. So from the viewpoint of the mother, like how is the mother impacted? How is the child impacted? How is even the father, if it's the father that's absent, how are they impacted? When I first started the development on absent, what, how long was that? About five years ago. I don't feel like people were ready for the message. It was like, oh my God, it just seemed like this black woman coming out talking about single parent homes. And it was just too early. And I've learned over the period of my career is that everything has a timing. Yes. And you have to just wait for the right time. Like the script's still there. It's not going to get dated. It's not getting old. But now the conversations have been had. There's been podcasts, there's been short films, like it's much more of a relevant topic than it was back then. So I'm aiming for pre-production by the end of this year and yeah, just get it done. I love this conversation because you're just showing that it's about timing and not to give up and just really making peace with certain things because you can feel frustrated with this industry, especially being black in this industry, especially being a woman in this industry. And it can seem like all the odds are stacked against you, but you have the right to tell your story when you have the right to tell your story, when you want to tell the story, but also you have to apply some sort of perspective, like reality check perspective, like, okay, this might not be about my gender. It might not be about my race. It might just be about the world and the universe and society and timing because, yeah. when, because you could have all that budget, all the things and drop a film, drop a project and no one responds to it because they're not ready to hear it. It gets lost in the mood of whatever other topic is going on. So this is very, it's quite interesting that you you, you kind of understand that. Not to say it's not without his frustrations, of course. Yeah, no, it was. I was very depressed. I was very, very sad and depressed. And I got really burnt out. There was a point where it had really big names on the project and finances were involved. And then that kind of fell through. And then it went back to being an indie project. And it was just that kind of thing of like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And then I felt like the team wasn't right and there was some falling outs with the team because you get a lot of that as well, like a lot of clashes with, especially when you're independent and you're working mm -hmm. with like amateurs and you're amateur yourself, do you get what I mean? So you have a lot of clashes and I thought, you know what, you got to step away. you got to make something because that was going to be a big project to like go in full gun, like guns blazing with. So I thought, you know what, step away, make dismiss so people can really see like, your potential like obviously it's not like the level that I want to be at but it's something that you've done your own money you've done it by yourself <laughs> no I didn't have no organization behind me or anyone behind me I literally did it myself and having to accept that let that go and waiting for it to come back and for the right time to say all right this is my next project have you ever taken a, an official role in the industry? Like, you know, when people go off and maybe work for the BBC or do something like that, have you ever done that or ever felt like No, that? I haven't done that, you know. So when I left uni, because I was getting picked up by my, my uni teacher, like, you're the shit, basically. Like, for all my first degree, like, I thought I was just going to walk into the industry with my eyes closed. And it just never happened. Like, I was knocking on doors for a good nine months doing all the different initiatives and the training and the mentor classes and that. And it just got to a point when I was just like, I'm getting older and I just have to get it done. I wouldn't mind doing one. In the professional industry, there's always going to be things that you're going to pick up and learn that you probably are not doing because you've to learn everything from scratch and everything by yourself. But I do do a lot of self-teaching. So I do a lot of training myself. 
Mm. I watch a lot of videos on productions. I've got production books. And then I'm constantly on set. So I'm constantly like looking over some director's shoulder and just looking at how the sets run and how the production's put together. And You are getting that hands-on experience where other people wouldn't even get that. So I suppose you're, you are also getting that first sight of being on set and stuff like that and the fact that you're self-teaching. So quick fire round of getting to know you. Can you give me the title of a book that you've got to have with you wherever you go, whenever you go, if you move, you've got to have it on your bookshelf wherever you go. What book is that? Um, it's a book called The Power of Now. Eckhart Tolle, yeah. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but it's the power of now and I bring it everywhere I go, like even when I'm flying away, when I'm going away on holiday, it just comes with me all the time because I feel like it's just such a powerful thing like to live in the moment and be present and obviously it's got a lot of teachings in there so something that you do have to keep reading again to practice being more present and being more in the now because my head is... <laughs> A million times open all the time and I'm either like in the future in the past or somewhere else so I'm constantly trying to be present like present with the kids present with what's going on and just practicing that all the time I'm nodding with like Nying because that is me and um, that's my book that's one of my go-to books oh is it yeah 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 Power of Now and the New Earth his, his other one that's I've bought the New Earth but I haven't started it I actually draw more to a New Earth because Power of, I think Power of Now, when I got it, I don't know, I can't remember because I haven't picked them up for a little while because I've been, I'm quite good now at pulling myself out of the past because you're, I'm exactly the same. I'll be yeah. in the past, revisiting, retalking, <laughs> and then I'm in the future. And I'm just like, no, 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 come back, love. Come back to that. What's happening now? And it's yeah. so good in like, what am I doing now? I'm talking to Aisha. I'm laying in my bed. I've got yeah. to focus, bring it back. Now let's get cracking. But I found a new earth. Maybe I think I think I found it less preachy than Power of Now. However, both of those books, Power of Now, is like an easy go-to. So Power of Now, and New Earth. Opal's got a podcast with him on yeah, a. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yes, I listened to that, and he was talking about that book. So I ordered yeah. it, but I haven't got around to reading it yet. Yeah, no, that's and when Oprah was on her mindful when before she wrapped up her shows, that's that's exactly where I found out about Eckhart Tolle, and that's why. Oh, found, is it? Like that, yeah, absolutely on the back of that, and it helps yeah. so much. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Okay, so give me a TV show or film that you watch whenever it's on, even though you've seen it a thousand times, you'll still watch it. The film that I would watch again and again is The Pursuit to Happiness. Love that film like so much, like with Will Smith and his son. Give me a song. Or an album that your friends or your people will put on and know that yeah, this is going to make Aisha turn up. Oh God, maybe old school garage. That would definitely be my everyone would just know like destiny, yeah, and desire. Like I just literally will be emceeing like proper. <laughs> okay, something you saw on the stage, and that could be a a, a play or a concert or performance that you saw on stage that stayed with you that had an impact i watched dream girls at the savoy fair yeah that was really powerful just an, an immaculate performance just the whole experience of the venue and just everything it was amazing i went with my brother and um, his daughter and my daughter that was an amazing an amazing event have you seen it i can't remember who i went oh i think i took 
one of the aunties on my auntie's podcast I think it was Auntie Nana we went together I think so and I'll check with her and it was just amazing I loved it because I love Jean Bell anyway and we saw it seeing it in the UK it was really good on the yeah it was amazing you're right about the environment and the setting and just singing it was great okay finally what's made you sad mad and glad this week what's made me sad oh yeah when my kids were gone because I was like thinking oh my god like Tiana's 20 in a couple months and Isaiah's 10 and I was like I need to get hitched because they're gonna be gone soon and I'm gonna be oh my Jack Jones so yeah that was kind of like a moment that I had <laughs> glad as I just ordered my new iMac computer and I've been dying to get it and been procrastinating for about five years. I think I was mad at my baby father probably because he um <laughs> he got my ass. <laughs> you know, you know, but now my son's staying there and he's been there for like a week, but you know, men just do things differently. So when he's here, it's just the structures there, like yeah. So I think, yeah, that was a, a bit of a yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I, okay, so tell us where can we um, watch Dismissed and so you can watch Dismissed on my YouTube channel, A Scott Productions, and we've also got a page on Instagram called Dismissed Films, and you can find me in Google. <laughs> <laughs> You're just in Google. No, for real though, if you just put Aisha Scott, everything's the same name. I just keep it consistent. You find my Facebook, you find my um only TikTok. I've just started TikTok and no, I don't want people to find that. That's when I want to be mad and do my maddie maddie stuff. So that one I'll leave that. But um yeah, Insta, Facebook, Aisha Scott, Twitter, don't really use Twitter. And, um, oh yeah, because I've got my um, own YouTube channel, you know, Aisha Scott TV. There you go. Yeah, so I talk about my hair and all that sort of stuff. Hair journeys, all right, cool. Aisha, it's been wonderful speaking to you on this lovely Sunday. I'm glad we finally got it done. Yay. Hello, thanks for having me, babe. And we need to meet up again. I, I told you the last time I saw you was years now. No, it's dumb, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>